It's a lovely day. Cold, but lovely. After a bit of a gray start of the day, the clouds started to dissipate and now the sun is shining and I'm uh, about to enter the woods here. And I was super excited to see the first purple crocuses emerging from the grass in uh, the gardens of many people that live here on the outskirts of the village. Which means that next week um, there will be a lot of color in, uh, in the area because you can find crocuses everywhere in the Netherlands. And it is uh, around this time of the year, usually January, February, that they start to um, come out of the ground. Sometimes even when it's snowing, you will still have those patches of yellow and white and purple and pink. And uh, they, they spread underground, so every year you get more of them. Which reminds me that I need to plant some of those in my own garden, or at least uh, make sure that they start to spread because I love colors, especially in the winter, when everything is a little bit bleaker than normal. But these early flowers uh, announce springtime, even though that's still many months away. But to get a hint of new life emerging from the cold, uh, from the cold winter ground, that is always very encouraging walking up a slight hill and uh, just enjoying being here in the woods again and uh, it's a I'm walking deliberately a bit slower than normal uh, because and this is one of the things I wanted to talk about in this episode of the walk I had a bit of a uh, of a setback earlier this week uh, which was very surprising um, because last week I felt on top of the world I had just started to pick up working again after uh, taking the first two weeks of the year off and uh, it was going well I, I loved getting back to live streaming and continuing the podcasts and even making some some careful plans for the next couple of weeks and months and then uh, I was also doing quite well with the running last Sunday I first started with mass in one of the parish locations Uh, We're still waiting for the arrival and the installation of the new pastor, Father Mauricio. So in the meantime, Father Eric and I are are taking care of the locations in this parish. Uh, And then in the afternoon, uh, on Sunday, I still had quite a bit of energy. And I wanted to go out for another run. I, I, I was doing extremely well. Uh, in, in, with respect to the, the marathon that I was training for. And so instead of running, what was it, 16 kilometers, I, I ran a, a half marathon. So I ran about, what is it, 20, 21.2 kilometers. Came back in the evening and... Uh, and there was no problem. I was like, wow, I'm so excited. Look at me. I run even more than, than the schedule uh, prescribed me to do. I must be in top shape. And then the next day, so last mo- this Monday, um, I, I slept for 10 hours. <laughs> so I, I've had some broken nights lately. And uh, at first I didn't really understand why I was waking up all the time during the night. And if you keep waking up at various intervals, of course, uh, it doesn't really make for a, for a restful night. 
and uh, I I discovered that it's probably the ticking uh, sound of the of the radiator of the heating system. So last year, or even like a before I uh, I lived in the house, we were doing the renovations and to cover some of the tubes of the heating system, very old fashioned, ugly tubes. Uh, we uh, covered them with wood, like a wooden cove, I think you call it. Um, it turns out we probably should have made the holes for the the points where the tubes actually uh, exit the 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 cove. Or is that a cove? I don't know what. The, well, anyway, um, we we completely closed them, and so there is no no space there. And when you turn on the heating these pipes start to expand and since they can't because the hole is not big enough uh, it creates this ticking noise and I have that in two locations and that is a very loud ticking noise unfortunately it's something I can't fi- fix myself I would have to hire um, uh, a contractor to do that but uh, that ticking noise is so loud that it, it wakes me up several times during the night. So um, on Sunday evening, <laughs> I had a quick fix for that, um, which is I would just put in um, these yellow uh, rubber earbuds or, you know, the earplugs, I should say. And, uh, and that worked superbly. The downside was that since I had these earplugs in, I didn't hear an alarm. Nothing woke me up. And so all of a sudden, I look at my, I look at the clock, and it's like 9:30 in the morning, super late. And then that reoccurred the next night, and even this morning, I woke up at 10. And so I slept for for almost 10 hours, and then during the day, I was still completely wiped out, so tired, my heart rate would go up. Even if I just uh, walked up the stairs. And all that energy that I had last week is completely gone. And even right now, I I feel that I have to pace myself and walk a bit slower than normal. Because I'm getting out of breath, as you may be able to, to tell. So that was a very unexpected setback. But it made me think about... Um, the, the possible causes for this. As you might remember last year, I um, went to see my physician uh, with these complaints and uh, we did a blood exam and everything is fine. There's really nothing wrong there. Uh, so she inquired a bit more and she she told me that she she suspected knowing me a bit uh, that I was probably still doing too much. And uh, so she, she recommended me to slow down. This is one of the reasons that I took two weeks off. And, and it did help. I felt much better after two weeks. Um, and the only thing that could explain why all of a sudden I get this huge drop in energy is that since I felt okay... Uh, I switched back to my old habits and my old kind of work rhythm. And adding to that, the very strenuous marathon training, which is super physical, of course, plus a lot of um, personal moments where I was listening to people uh, that are going through some tough times, uh, and and then trying to give some advice or at least give some support to a number of people. I think it was all way too much. And uh, yesterday, I I saw an article on the Washington Post uh, website that uh, was giving another update about the research that is currently done when it comes to long COVID symptoms. And uh, according to that article, about half of the people that um, have been diagnosed with long COVID also show signs of 
um, what is commonly known as chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, ME or CFS. Um, and it's, it differs from person to person, but uh, a lot of these long COVID sufferers complain that they often will be super tired, get out of breath, or their heart rate will go through the roof, even after very, very simple things like walking up the stairs. But this article went a bit beyond that, because this is something that I struggled with in the first half year after I, um, I was infected with COVID and then healed from it. And uh, it, 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 what has helped me back then was to have a therapy um, and a, spe- a special, well, two types of therapy. One was more like a mix of physical therapy and um, uh, mindfulness. So trying to be in the moment, uh, and realizing also that I was, I was unable to pick up where I left before I got COVID, but that I had to find a new balance. The second type of therapy only had it very briefly uh, was more more pragmatic, more practical, and that was based on the idea that every day you have a certain amount of energy. And that, of course, differs from person to person, but you have only uh, a limited, you could say, bucket of energy. And every time you do something, and it's not just work, it could also be just take a shower, go for a walk, uh, groceries, clean the house, all that, all that will cost you energy ideally at the end of the day you will have used exactly the amount of energy that you had available for that day and so the therapist asked me to make a list of for a couple of days of things that I did and then hey dog (laughs) Uh, and then to to add a value to each activity because not all work is equal, she explained. And she said, just go with your guts. At, try to rate it from, I think, like between 1 and 10, uh, how much energy this takes. So I did that. And then we had a second meeting where she said, well, if we start to add up this stuff, you're constantly, you're chronically going over uh, the, your own boundaries when it comes to the energy that you want to spend and what you actually can spend. And the trick was, according to her, to balance that out. And so at first, it was pretty radical what she uh, suggested me. Um, that was to work for a maximum of two hours and then take about half an hour or 20 minutes of total rest. And it wasn't just sitting and browsing but it was literally lying on a couch or on your bed, closing your eyes, no sensory input, not listening to a podcast or anything, just be there and in, in total silence and do absolutely nothing. And then see how that felt, start another cycle of two hours, take another half hour with complete rest, and then maybe over time add another two hours. Uh, but she was very conservative when it comes to working like full time. So I did that for a while. Um, it was very hard, especially like trying to do nothing for 20 minutes. <laughs> when you have a scatterbrain like I have. Wow, that was so difficult. And also, I felt guilty. Like I should work. Now, I've, as you know, I've been working a lot on the mental part of that guilt that I constantly felt of not doing enough. And I think I worked that out uh, quite well. I'm comfortable when I have a, uh, a week where all of a sudden there's this sinkhole in my energy path where everything seems to disappear. I don't meet myself up. I just acknowledge it. And, well, okay, this is apparently what's the situation. We'll have to just deal with it and see what we can do to fix it or to patch it. (laughs) You can't always fix the root cause, especially if it's related to long COVID, Um, but you can work around it maybe. So that's already for me, that's a huge gain. 
knowing that I am able to just reconcile with the fact that I may not always have the same level of energy that I used to have um, and just approach it in a positive way. So given the situation, what are we going to do? And so that, that, those exercises that I did two years ago came back to me uh, while I was reading that article. And it suggested a solution um, that was now being applied in the treatment of long COVID patients, which was called pace, um, pacing. Pacing is actually what I just described. It's trying to pace yourself and to find a good balance in moments of rest and recovery and moments of work. But it does require you to make an inventory of what costs you energy uh, and what gives you energy. And it's, the article showed a photo of someone using an app for that. There is an app for that. as <laughs> There are apps for almost anything that you can imagine. Uh, but it didn't mention... Or I couldn't read, I think, the entire article because it was behind a paywall. Uh, but I just Googled the from the screens. I like I blew up the screenshot. I was like, huh, oh, I think it says this and that. So it was M-E-S-F-C-F-S, uh, so chronic fatigue syndrome. Looked for an app under that name and found this, I think, an Australian app that helps people to... Um, keep track of the of their activities and to uh, better balance out the available uh, amount of energy and so I've been using that yesterday and it was already an eye-opening experience it starts with some default value so uh, it it gives you a thousand minutes every day you have about a thousand minutes that's crazy to realize that every day if you uh, if you consider the fact that most of us will usually usually sleep between seven and eight hours, uh, ideally, of course. So let's say in in general we sleep about seven and a half hours, means that we have um, about sixteen and a half hours that we are awake. That's a thousand minutes, and ideally for every minute you have a unit of energy. So that's so you need to establish a baseline. So first you have to choose sort of what is an activity that costs exactly one unit of energy per minute. So that if you would only do that at the end of the day, you would have used up exactly a thousand units equal to the thousand minutes that you have available. And then from that baseline, you start to fill in. So, for instance, walking like I do right now. Um, you, you could walk very slowly like you would do in, in your house or a bit you know, like medium speed. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, how much energy would that take? Well, it's certainly more energy than just sitting in a chair, which is my baseline. <laughs> just sitting in, and reading a book or something like that or, or just browsing uh, my social media feeds. That is, for me, a neutral activity. Um, it's not like sleeping. Sleeping would be an, an activity that actually adds points because it will help you recover. Um, but walking would be probably like two units or three, but maybe even three. Running, like running a half marathon, that is exhausting. <laughs> so that would be a 10. Um, but I also know that there are other activities that are not physical, but that still cost me a lot of energy. For instance, online meetings. On Monday evening, we had uh, our monthly, or usually we do it every six weeks, uh, the gathering with the, the council, uh, the board, uh, the supervisory board. And so we talk about, uh, about Tridio, about... Uh, our mission and it's all the stuff that has to do with the uh, governance like uh, what is it two weeks ago I talked about like the the three main tasks of a priest one is to teach the other one is to sanctify and the third one is to 
do governance, to, to lead and to organize and facilitate the community and uh, that sort of stuff. So that meeting is always virtual because we live in various parts of the country. So we use uh, Microsoft Meetings for that. Um, but I also know that a meeting like that is pretty intense. So I would rate that between... It's not as uh, energy-absorbing as, for instance, uh, running a marathon. But it would still be around seven or eight. And so you, you rate every single activity, from taking a shower to do some light cleaning to, like, show prep, what I do before I record a podcast. I sit down for about an hour and I think about the topics and what I'm going to say about this and that. Um, and even, you can make it as detailed as possible. So, for instance, I've got, like, passive TV watching. Where I just sit <laughs> and, and watch whatever. Um, but there's also active TV watching where I'm deliberately taking notes and I'm studying what I'm watching because it's going to be a topic I want to discuss in, in one of my shows. Obviously, active watching is much more intense, takes more energy than just passively watching. So just being forced by that app to sit down and to think about all these different nuances and to rate every... And of course, this is a preliminary estimation. Um, and uh, according to the makers of the app, um, it's a good idea to use it for about a month and over time to f kind of tweak it. And over time, it could also be that certain tasks become easier or you have more energy, so it will, will relatively cost less to do certain tasks. So it's a very personalized app. They, they, they do give you some suggestions and then it's up to you to tweak it. But what it helped me to do was to realize that if I, were, if I was adding up everything I did yesterday, at the end of the day, I saw that I used up almost two-thirds more of the energy than what I actually had available for that day. And this was despite the fact that I didn't even record a podcast. It was just doing what I did. But there were some extra activities that normally I would even forget about at the end of the day. But this app made me realize, well, wait a minute. But that too costs energy. For instance, I did a thorough cleaning of my bathroom. I had um, some of the, um, of the ridges between the tiles of the bathroom. They were starting to turn a bit yellow and I... I couldn't really fix it by just cleaning it with water. And so I looked up some uh, remedies. And that took me about an hour of thorough cleaning. And it worked out fine. It looked brilliant. The bathroom looks super clean now. And is super clean. So I was happy with that. But it was still quite a bit of effort that I had to put in there. And I logged that in the app. And I was shocked to see that it took a big bite out of my available energy and then I also did live streaming for the past three days um, and I've noticed that some live streams are much more uh, demanding than others so on Tuesday I did a live stream I always do the live streams at five in the afternoon my time um, I wanted to actually to do to record an episode of Story Secrets about the Bad Batch. And so I sat down an hour before I was supposed to go stream to go live. And I um, I started to study the various episodes and formulating some thoughts. And I was so completely exhausted. I, I realized that I just don't have energy to do that. Actually it's worse than that. I couldn't even remember some of the episodes probably because I watched them at the end of a, a busy day and my energy was already depleted so I couldn't find the energy necessary for active watching. I just didn't realize it at the time. And it was while I was preparing that that I started to panic. I was like, but I was supposed to talk about Star Wars. What are we going to do now? In the end, I en ended up going live anyway and we talked 
about Star Wars and many different topics, but it was more off the cuff. It was a loose conversation, and it was good. But it still felt like I had to put in a lot of effort. Yesterday, on Wednesday, I did a stream from my kitchen. Same thing. I, I took about an hour to prepare, which consisted mostly in cleaning the kitchen, making it... Uh, uh, pre presentable. My kitchen is never a total disaster, but um, I did want to clean it up, so it would be nice uh, for uh, for that stream. And I just chatted with the people in the chat room and uh, made pumpkin soup and a pasta. Very simple, very relaxed. And after after I finished the live stream, I'd been live for about an hour and a half. I felt really good not tired at all after that after eating the dinner i still crashed but it was because i uh, i saw on the app that i had used up instead of a thousand energy units i had used up a 1700 or 1730 energy units so it made me realize i want i still want to do too much now, this brings me to the spiritual dimension of this, because not everyone who is listening right now is, is, has these issues. Um, but what it made me realize is, uh, for, in order to prevent those sinkhole moments where my energy completely disappears, uh, it is vital that I, um, that I make strategic choices as to where I put my energy. It also means I cannot do everything that I want to do. It also means I have to be even more precise in estimating where my energy goes when it's not work-related. And to acknowledge that if I want to run a marathon, uh, running a half marathon on Sunday means I cannot do anything else that day. <laughs> so it probably means that I shouldn't combine it with parish work on the same day, let alone adding even more uh, social calls or whatever, inviting people over, all that, all that stuff. It also means that um, I, I, I hope over time to get a better grip on what gives me energy and what depletes it. And... Uh, it can also mean that certain types of um, social media activities, like going live in a, an informal way where it's just I'm just cooking and having a chat, that is actually a very good choice, a very good option. And do less of the well-prepared, let me give you a, a course of about an hour about this or that series. Um, so that is one way in which I can make maybe smarter choices when it comes to how I, how I join you. Uh, there is a, a, even a, a big difference between recording an episode of The Walk like I do right now, which physically is, I can tell I'm a bit out of breath, is demanding, but, but not in terms of preparation. I don't prepare The Walk because I know what I want to talk about. <laughs> um, and it's actually uh, helpful for me to share what's going on because it helps me to reflect on, uh, on my life. So, uh, so the walk is cer certainly something that I can keep doing. Um, but then for uh, TikTok, for instance, let's take TikTok. Uh, that requires a lot of preparation. I would love to continue that, and I think I have to. But it does require me to maybe uh, leave some other stuff. And um, uh, uh, documentary making, filming. This morning, uh, Hugo uh, contacted me and he's like, we should get together and, and make some plans for future television episodes. And... Uh, I think in the past that would, that would have 
being an automatic yes, yeah, I want to do, let's do that. Now I'm much more careful. I'm thinking, well, television making is certain aspects of that work are super intensive and 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 hard. Other aspects give me energy. I love traveling, and I love exploring, and that that is. Very different from, for instance, the writing voiceovers and and editing. That is a super laborious, time-consuming and energy-consuming task. So, again, it requires me to make more strategic choices. What could I do that uh, um, enables me to, um, to continue my mission and at the same time try to outsource the stuff that I don't have energy for? Um, so, uh, like I'm blanking out now on what I wanted to share. Uh, anyway, it's, I, I don't, pres- oh, I know what I was going to say. I wanted to bring this to a deeper level because of course, uh, this is just about my life and the, my situation, but what it did remind me of is that in life, and this will happen to all of us at one point, maybe not now, but maybe when you get older, but that we all have moments in our lives where we start to realize that we cannot do what we used to be able to do. <laughs> it can be because of an illness. It cannot just be because of a mental uh, situation or something else in your life, like a breakup or... Uh, struggles in your family or worries about your job or your financial situation all that can can use up a ton of energy and if you try to force yourself to keep doing what you've always done with that motto that a lot of us have been raised with is just you know if you you just force yourself to do it you know be strong and don't complain and uh, a lot of that willpower-based uh, action is is not always conducive to your overall balance. But the thing is, it's so valuable to have that experience. We tend to label that as purely negative. Like how, and when we try to fix. I've been trying to fix that for years. How can I get more energy? I need to get more fit. I need to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and do like an early morning routine, etc., etc. There's nothing wrong with that, but it it, do, it doesn't always work, <laughs> and uh, because willpower is only part of willpower, the name implies that it will cost you energy. You have to put power in there, which means you cannot. Use that power for other stuff. This is also why at the end of the day, usually we, we tend to run out of willpower. We can be super motivated to live a healthy life and to eat healthy. And then in the evening, when we've made a lot of choices and our energy is depleted, we're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to snack and sit in front of the TV and <laughs> drink a beer. And we don't make healthy choices at that time. So a willpowered approach to life has its limitations. But it could also have an impact on your spiritual life. Uh, because if you, if you only follow that motto of uh, whatever you want to reach, you can, and you just put your willpower in, um, it, you could run the risk of... Uh, forgetting that ultimately everything we we do is a gift, and that gift can sometimes fall apart, or uh, you, you, that gift might change. God may, at one point in your life, give you a ton of opportunities, and energy, and money, and time, and and ideas. But some, at some point in your life, there may come a time that he may give you much less. And that could, if you constantly tell yourself, but it's my fault, I should just put more willpower into it, I can do this. Um, 
you're relying only on yourself and you forget that ultimately everything you can do is something that has been given to you. It's a present. It's not your right. And of course, you have to work with God's grace. God gives you a lot of his gifts, but he also requires you to to do what you can to uh, to use those talents. So I'm not advocating total passivity in this. But what I do want to share is how important it is to also integrate moments where you fail to do what you think you should do and where you don't have energy or you don't have that mental balance that you used to have that too is not necessarily negative that can also be a gift because and maybe it's even (laughs) more important gift than the gift of energy and resources and talents and opportunities because the gift of of uh, lack of energy, the gift of fatigue, the gift of maybe even despair to a certain point, um, can be moments that make you realize that you are not enough <laughs> to do what you what God wants you to do in this world he actually wants to compliment you he wants to help out the, pope francis the other day posted something or his people posted something on social media um that struck a chord with me at one point pope francis apparently said the fastest way to god's heart is to make yourself needy or to realize that you are needy. Let's cross the road here for a moment. And walk to the other side. Uh, Because if you are in a situation where you realize that you are needy, then that can become a prayer. You can say, God, I need you. And there's nothing better than you can tell God than, than I need you. It means I cannot do this without you. I rely on you for my strength, for my health, for my balance. Right now, I don't have it all. And I'm struggling with that because I feel that you, you're, you're asking me to make a difference in this life but I can't do that without you I need your help think of that story of the wedding at Cana it's a it's a story about a crisis and it's a bit counterintuitive like Jesus is there um, and yet this is not a story of success where everything goes well at least at first it is a situation where one of the main ingredients of the festivities is is lacking and that is wine there is no more wine maybe they miscalculated maybe they were conservative in um in prep in the preparations uh, or or they just didn't want to spend the money on getting wine for all the potential guests fact is the story starts with a crisis where they have to acknowledge we don't have what it takes to um, to to del- to deliver to uh, grant these people a good wedding. We we don't have wine, and it is Mary who becomes the model for us and shows us what you have to do in a situation like that, where where you feel like oh, you miscalculated you. You're out of juice, <laughs> literally here, out of wine. What you do then is you go to Jesus and you just tell him. You don't have to uh, get angry at him because it's not his fault. <laughs> there is no wine. Um, but you go to him and you tell him, I don't have enough. We don't have enough wine. There is not. There is no wine anymore. And then... Uh, 
and then do what he tells you to do. This is a, this is the situation. This is the way in which Jesus got uh, involved in that particular event. It would have been a boring story if it was just like that was this day and these people got married and Jesus went to this party and he had a great time. <laughs> End of story. That's not a story. That well, why was Jesus there? Why do you tell me that story? If it's just to learn that Jesus went to parties. Now, the, the goal of that story is to teach us that if you are in a situation of need, that is when you can turn to Jesus. Even if it's not exactly uh, his time yet, he will kind of step out of his comfort zone in a certain way to, to help. But it's much more important what what happens to the people. So the miracle itself is not uh, Jesus showing off that he is the Son of God. Um, but the story wants to illustrate what this neediness and then the subsequent turning to Jesus, how that impacts everyone. First of all, it teaches them to, um, to ask. This is what Mary does. And of course, it's not about specifically about Mary here, but about who she represents. She is our mirror in a certain way, the, our, the, our model. Um, Christian theology has also called her an icon, which means it's like an image you look at, but like in Eastern uh, iconography, an icon is, is also... Um, an image that shows you the way. It shows you the ideal. <laughs> you want to become like the person depicted in the icon. And so that's how the story presents Mary. This is the example. You feel you, you can't do it. You don't have enough energy. Turn to Jesus and ask for help. Because that gets you out of the self-sufficiency mode. Where you only rely on yourself. And you feel like, I have to build myself up. I have to be able to do this. But you are not uh, meant to be God. <laughs> you are a creature. And he is the creator. <laughs> and in every phase of your life, there will be moments that you won't be enough. You won't have the full solution. In a situation like that, Turn away from yourself and from your, your perceived uh, inadequacy or the complaining or the mourning about everything you used to have and now you don't have it. Instead, turn towards Jesus and ask for help. This is... And, and you think maybe immediately about prayer, right? And that's what we do. We, we pray, God help me. We light a candle and then we have our wish list. But it's, it goes further than that because God does not always help out of the blue in the form of a miracle. And that's also what I love about the story of uh, Cana is Jesus could have done a miracle there where it's like material or materializing of what you see in Star Trek, you know. Gee, oh, gray, hot. And then it just appears there magically. He could have done that, but he doesn't. Instead, uh, the involvement of the servants is necessary. So Mary instructs the servants to do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. And so he works through, the miracle is performed through the work of the other people that have responsibilities there at the party. And this, I think, is not by accident. This is a very important element of how God answers our prayers. If we ask for help, it's not just directly in prayer, but we can also address that request for help to the people that surround us. Because God often works through them. If I'm sick, if I have fatigue syndrome or whatever you want to call it, of course I can pray, and I do pray, God help me. 
but I also have to go to see my physician and ask her for her advice. What do you think? Um, can we do some tests? And it's not, it's not in competition with God's help. I would say God helps you through these people that have followed their vocation in life to become a doctor or to become a psychotherapist or whatever, a pastor. So asking for help when you feel that you can't do it by yourself, I think is, a, is an occasion for spiritual growth. And it is very often rewarded. We are always afraid to ask other people for help because we fear rejection. We think that we are bothering other people. And usually that stems from an uncertainty about our own value. You know, who am I to bother someone with my little needs? That person has other stuff to do, more important things. And if we reason like that, then we put ourselves uh, completely down the ladder. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not worth, worthy of bothering someone that important. But it's often wrong. People like to help. And if you place yourself in the position of the other person and you imagine, well, what would I do if that person would come to me and ask, hey, can I talk to you for about 15 minutes? Because I'm struggling with something and I don't require you to fix the situation. I just need someone to listen. Um, would you say no? Of course not. You would say, yeah, sure, go ahead. Or if you're busy, crossing the road back into, <laughs> to go back into the woods here. Um, let's see if I can find an entry to the woods. Um, even if, if you can't help at that moment, you would, you would find a way to help. And if you really can't help, you would try to find someone else who can who can help and so that whole idea that I can't possibly bother God with with this situation I need to be strong myself etc it uh, it it deprives God it deprives anyone who wants to help from the joy of being able to help there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that God loves more than to be there for us. It's actually his name is, I'll be there. I am. I am here for you. His essence is to be there for his son, to be everything for his son. And the essence of Jesus is to be there for his father. It's a total dedication, a total gift. And so, if that is the model on which we are based, because we're made at, according to the in, in likeness of God himself, then we too become ourselves uh, if, if, we, if we give, if we help, if we are there for someone else, instead of just thinking that everything is about self-reliance. Two guys are uh, cutting down a dead tree here on my left. <laughs> uh, this is part of the... Uh, he's trying to, uh, to let fall over. So that tree has been hit by another tree. It's clearly damaged. And so it's leaning on uh, another big tree. And now they're they're trying to uh, cut it down so uh, so the other tree can uh, have more space, I suppose. This is what what this is the best time of the year probably to do that kind of maintenance here in the forest. This this is part of a nature reserve where I where I walk. So uh, you have these specialized people that make sure that the forest as a whole can continue to grow. But it means that every once in a while they have to take out a few trees that are maybe too close to other trees and they take away the, the water or maybe even the light. 
from from more fragile trees. Another nice mi- metaphor, by the way, of <laughs> the process that I'm currently in is like I've got too many trees in my backyard, and so I need to, even though it's painful, I need to uh, cut down a few of those trees so that the other ones can have more light, more energy, more water, more space. So, uh, so ask, ask God for help. Um, th- th- there is one guaranteed way to stall your spiritual growth, and that is by, keep telling, by keeping telling yourself that you don't need God. <laughs> and isn't, isn't a relationship fundamentally about giving instead of just like hey i'm just here with you but actually i don't really need you that's usually the end of any relationship whereas if the other person can do something for you can be something someone who compliments you who helps you who is there for you and you can be that for that other person that that grows roots for in any relationship so don't try to be perfect don't force yourself to be self-sufficient. Do what you can, obviously. Use your talents. But also make an inventory of the stuff that you need help with. And then ask for help. That is, that is a, 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 I think, in general, important advice for anyone. Uh, and... I think it does require you to tell yourself, I am worthy of help. <laughs> and the other person, I actually, I help the other person if I ask for help. Because it, it enables people to fulfill their, their vocation in life. And that is to be like God, to be there for someone else. So it's not shameful or bad to ask for assistance or help. And if someone is unable to help, it's not a rejection of who you are. It's just that maybe that person also has his or her limitations in energy, in time, in aptitude. So the more you reconcile yourself with what you lack and what you can't do, the more it will be easy to also accept it from other people, that they too sometimes are unable to, uh, to, to do everything. Um, there is no one in the world. We don't, our world does not really have superheroes. We have people that we admire. But always keep in mind that you only see part of that person. You, only, you often only see their moments of glory. You don't see them waking up in the middle of the night full of doubt and the failures in their lives. Uh, And if we sometimes see those failures, we, uh, we tend to use the same kind of judgment that we have towards ourselves towards others. Ask yourself if you've ever read about a, a famous actor or actress and uh, how they ruined their uh, their marriage, for instance, or did something stupid or said something dumb, or politicians as well. You know, the harsher our judgment, the more likely it is that we also have that same harsh judgment towards ourselves. I think this is super important to understand. I would even apply it to the way the church talks about people and about groups of people. The harsher the judgment, the more, um, how would you say that? The more judgmental someone is, the more likely it is that that person also has a lot of issues with him or herself. And it's actually not judging the other person, but it's judging him or herself. And you can imagine that that is a very dangerous road to take because not only are you damaging yourself by not accepting that you are flawed, that you are a sinner, 
that you need forgiveness, that you lack uh, the, the resources, the energy, the love, the forgiveness that, that you need. The more you uh, only judge yourself uh, and, and you beat yourself up, about that instead of asking God to help you and to forgive you and to give you strength and to ask other people for their help if you only judge yourself and condemn yourself for not being good enough the more likely it is that you will also do that towards other people around you and you will hurt them because you will make them feel miserable too so there is a very deep, positive value in, in realizing that you are not enough. You are weak. <laughs> and I say that in a, in a, in a, in a neutral way. We, we tend to associate weakness with something bad. But you, you don't have the strength. You lack the energy or the resources. And that, at that moment... It's an invitation to turn towards someone who can help you, to a savior. And God, as the savior, works through all these other saviors that surround us. But how can they help if you never ask them? It's, it's, very, it's a very long journey uh, sometimes. I speak from experience to get to that point because it means ultimately that you have to learn to love yourself as you are not not only love yourself if you're being a good person and never mess up but to love yourself as God loves you faults and sins and flaws included it's at that point that you will be able to turn towards other people and ask them for their help, love them in return, appreciate the good in them instead of judging in other people's what you actually secretly judge in yourself. It all starts with, it begins and it ends with love. But it takes, it takes a lot of time. For me, it took a lifetime to discover that. Uh, but I'm I'm starting to feel that I'm getting good at it. <laughs> I'm more and more merciful towards myself compared to a number of years ago where I would constantly beat myself up for not being enough, not doing enough. But now I'm thinking maybe this is exactly where God wants me to be. So I can practice asking for help and relying on other people. And experiencing the joy of someone else being there for me. The more you, you experience that, the more it will help you to, to respond to that and to be there for other people who might need you. And it becomes much easier to do that. That would be my um, reflection during this walk. Uh, thank you so much, as always for spending uh, an hour of your time to walk with me. Um, I hope it helps. Um, if you want to talk a bit more about this theme, um, uh, feel free to leave comments uh, in the various uh, channels. Or if you are a patron, uh, there is also a new section per show where you can react to the themes and if so if this strikes a chord um, or you have some examples out of your own from your own life uh, by all means share them because your experiences may also help other people that may struggle with the same things but are maybe I don't know too shy or <laughs> there may be so many reasons that, that they they cannot express the things that they are struggling with but I think that this the, the more you share uh, the difficult moments in your life the more also you will help other people that may 
have the same, maybe in the same situation. Anyway, thanks. And uh, let's see, how would I rate this energy-wise, this activity? Physically, I'm a bit more tired than when I started this hour. Mentally, I think uh, this has been beneficial. (laughs) This has helped me. Um, So I'm going to drop that down in the app. And, uh, well, at least I made one podcast. So if I don't do anything else this day, this has already been a good one. Talk to you soon. God bless.